kids in San Francisco who are in high school can't get the calculus. Makes no sense. They moved Algebra 1 out of the eighth grade and put it into ninth grade in a city which Mayor London Breed has recently said is the hub of AI. I ran across other parents who had already pulled their kids to private school and were doing these workarounds. What about those kids that couldn't afford? Only 9% of African-American kids are proficient in math over 10 years. In the final drafting of the California math framework, they removed the mention of San Francisco. They had to. My guest today is Rex Ridgway, president of PTA at Lincoln High School in San Francisco. Today, he'll explain how San Francisco's inclusion policies are actually hurting the overall performance of students and why parents are leaving the public school system. Education is the great equalizer. You should be able to know things, and we need to be able to get our kids in a situation because of AI and chat GBT and everything that's coming and self-driving cars. The middle is gone. So you either here or here, and education can get you there. That's why I'm so amped up about this as an African-American. If you really enjoy California Insider and you think we have a valuable program, I highly recommend watching our documentary, Leaving California. It's a 70-minute documentary. We went so in-depth. It's my story going across the state and finding out what's going on. Why do we have people leaving this state? And if there is any solutions for the state so we can stop this exodus, click on the link below and subscribe to Epoch TV. By subscribing to Epoch TV, you can watch this documentary, Leaving California. Not only you can watch Leaving California, you can watch many other content and documentaries and shows and programs. And it has tremendous value because a lot of this content is nowhere else to be found. Click on the link below and I hope to see you there. Rex, it's great to have you on. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm glad yeah. to be here. So we want to talk to you about what's happening in San Francisco with eighth grade math. I guess algebra nine years ago at, in 2014 was pushed out of the eighth grade Yes. Uh, to improve the achievement gap. But so far, it looks like the results are the opposite. Can you tell us what's happening? Right. That was the, the goal was to, uh, because normally, and uh, still is the case, uh, Caucasian and, and Asian kids have done better in math than Latinx kids and Afri African American kids. And so uh, in order to get the achievement gap better uh, uh, for to improve it, yeah. to improve it, they moved Algebra 1 out of the eighth grade and put it into ninth grade. And even though there were major pushback when they decided to do this, uh, a thousand signatures was, were, were uh, collected when, uh, to put in front of the then Board of Education 10 years ago to stop this. Uh, they went ahead and did it anyway and with, the, with the hope that more concentration with, with African-American and Latinx kids in the middle schools will improve their ability to take Algebra one in the ninth grade and do well. The end result was that as we speak today, only 9% of African-American kids in San Francisco public schools are proficient in math. So there's no victory. Uh, the other thing that came about was that a lot of parents took their kids out of the public school, where today 30% of families in, in San Francisco have their kids in private school, wow. compared to 9% statewide. So 9% of California statewide, from Eureka to San Diego, only 9% of families have their kids in private school. Whereas in San Francisco, 30% wow. of their kids are in private school. And that really took a tick up 
when the pandemic hit. Because when the pandemic hit, all the parents could see what their kids were actually being taught because it was all on Zoom. And many, many parents were saying, oh no, what the heck is this? You know, they were very dissatisfied on two fronts. One, that the schools were not open when private schools were open and public schools were closed, but they could see that the quality of the education was not to their standards. So a lot more uh, well-resourced, connected uh, families who could afford private school took their kids out, okay? And then the other thing is the math. Because they pushed algebra one from eighth grade to ninth grade, you can't get the calculus. How can you not get the calculus in a city which, which Mayor London Breed has recently said is the hub of AI, which is true. You know, everybody goes to Silicon Valley, but, but the heart of Silicon Valley is, is San Francisco. And the kids in San Francisco who are in high school can't get the calculus, makes no sense. So a lot of parents start taking uh, what they call workarounds, like I did with my granddaughter. I put my granddaughter in an Algebra one class in the summer before her ninth grade. So she could double up in Algebra and Geometry in the, tenth, uh, in the ninth grade. So, so she took an Algebra one class in the ninth grade, like a lot of parents who, who did just that, so their kids could take two math courses in the ninth grade. So they can get to calculus, and that's what I did with my granddaughter. So she took Algebra one and Geometry in the ninth grade, straight A's, got Algebra two last year in the 10th grade, and over this summer, uh, I put her in a, a UC pre-calculus accredited course over the summer so she can take calculus in the 11th grade, you know, which would show very well on her college application. So, so as an African-American, you c- I'm not the only one in San Francisco who thinks like this. There's many, many African-American parents and Lat- Latinx parents, uh, by the way, my, my wife is Mexican, Latinx parents who also feel that by moving Algebra one into the ninth grade, actually stopped and hurt the trajectory of kids getting to, to calculus. So they've really, just, in, our, in our opinion, dumbed it down uh, to try to make this achievement thing happen, and it has backfired. And as I said, right now as we speak, only 9% of African-American kids in San Francisco Unified are proficient in math. Now, what about those kids that couldn't afford so it seems like you guys had the resources to do that, yeah. and, and you are really big on this. You're a math major yourself. What about those kids that couldn't do that? Did they fall? These are a category of kids that fell behind. Yeah, well, uh, yes, uh, uh, or stayed behind. I, I wouldn't call it fall, fall behind. behind. They actually stayed, stayed behind. behind because parents, and there's many of them of all, all uh, races, ethnicities, have, who have done the, what we call a workaround. They put their kids in summer courses, like this summer. There was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle, I think it was the Chronicle or the Examiner, I can't remember, where 700 kids are taking geometry this summer instead of going on vacation or internships because they know they have to double up in the, in the ninth grade in order to get on track for, for STEM. Calculus. Yeah, and for STEM, you know. And so to answer your question, they, they didn't fall behind, they were left behind because the p- parents who don't have the resources, is two things, one, they don't know or if they know they don't have the money or the resources to, to make it happen. And, that, and that's really a shame. You can't tell me there's only a handful of a- Latinx and, and African-American kids who, who like STEM and science and math. That's, that's ridiculous. But the way they set it up by moving Algebra one to the ninth grade was trying to hopefully put more focus on that focal group. We call it like focal group or focal groups, Latinx and African-American kids, where they can actually get more focus on, on math, but it hasn't resulted in that. 
it has two, two, two major things. More people have taken their kids out of the public schools to private school and charter schools. And the results of a Stanford study <coughs> that was released in March showed that there's been no achievement gains for African-American kids over the Be last 10 years and only a 1% of achievement uh, gain for Latinx kids. This was a Stanford study that was published in March of this year. Now, Rex, you've been very involved in actually bringing this up to the leaders of the city yeah. and telling them and to, to do something about this, and you eventually had to sue them. Can you tell us what's going on? Okay, so many years before this was happening, um, there, was, there has been a pushback on the fact that the curriculum that's used by the district is one that has been least effective curriculums. That's Lucy Calkins in F&P, and we've always used that until recently. I started volunteering full-time in 2012 when I retired. I retired, and in 2012, when my granddaughter entered the kindergarten, I didn't want to collect dust and, and just like sit around and, and with the remote control. I decided to volunteer at her school, and immediately I saw that, wow, th they have done this thing down, where, where instead of teaching kids how to decode words and long vowels, short vowels, they were actually having the kids memorize words. And is it, they call it sight words, but it wasn't, they were not teaching them how to actually break down a word in order to understand how you pronounce it or spell it or what have you. And they were not teaching uh, conjunctions and contractions, and I was just appalled. And at that point, I was telling her parents, my granddaughter's parents, we need to think, think about private school for her. But we, we let it ride for a while, and I was still continuing to volunteer. I was the uh, uh, chair of the school site council of her elementary school, and I was president of the PTSA of her middle school, and I'm now PTSA president of her high school. So I've been involved forever, okay? And during that time, they voted unanimously in 2014, that's the, the uh, Board of Education, to move Algebra One to the ninth grade. So I knew coming into my granddaughter's fifth, sixth gr grade, seventh grade, that we were gonna have to do some, something about this. So we ended up putting her in, um, like I said earlier, the ninth, uh, uh, ninth uh, Algebra One course in the summer before her ninth grade. During that time, uh, and because I'm, I've always been a volunteer and been involved in different things in the district um, as a parent, a grandparent in my case, I ran across other parents who had already pulled their kids to private school mm -hmm. and were doing these workarounds. And there were a handful of parents that really didn't want to do, do that, even though they had the money, they didn't really want to do it uh, because you know private school is pretty expensive. They decided to um, sue the district to put Algebra One back in the ninth grade. It was two main things. One, to have the district acquiesce to the fact that if a kid was able to show by taking an outside course like UC Scouts or UC Berkeley or, or what have you, that they could pass the, uh, a proficiency test, they could skip a grade, okay? And, and, the, and the district prevented that. So, we, so a bunch of parents got together along with the uh, Friends of Lowell uh, which is uh, Lowell High School alum alumni, and uh, the Asian Foundation, I forget the exact name, we all came together and we f filed a lawsuit uh, against the San Francisco Unified School District to mainly put Algebra One back in the eighth grade. That lawsuit was, f was filed on March 20th of this year, a few months ago. And what was interesting about that, one week later after the lawsuit was filed, the district, San Francisco Unified District, school district, came out and said, we're gonna waive the requirement for kids who can show proficiency uh, in algebra 
not to have to repeat the class. And what angers me is that with my granddaughter, she should have been able to take the test and pass it because she took it over the summer before her ninth grade year and she ended up doubling up in the ninth grade. I'm okay about it in hindsight, but a lot of parents realized that, you know, they could have done that, but the district uh, against the uh, actual law of the California Education Code said that you can't do that, you can't hold kids back. So when we filed the lawsuit, all of a sudden they woke up and said, well, we're going to waive that requirement. Now they didn't say we're going to suspend it, they said we're going to waive it. So that was just an immediate reaction of the lawsuit. But the main thing that keeps me amped up about this whole thing is that right now we're still fighting the fight of putting Algebra One back in the eighth grade. Um, <clears throat> the new superintendent of San Francisco Unified School District that didn't inherit this mess, uh, he's showing good leadership because uh, on May the 28th of this, this last year, May 28th, they had a math workshop as part of the, uh, the regular school board meeting. And at the math workshop was all about tackling this thing about improving math from, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, and also, of course, the Algebra One thing. What was interesting, two things about that math workshop on May 23rd. The superintendent of San Francisco Unified publicly said it hasn't worked. He said this experiment has not shown the results. And, and everybody who was in the chamber erupted with applause. And number two, what a lot of people didn't realize is that the head of the math program was in the room sitting in the back. That individual should have been sitting at the table answering questions from the superintendent and the Board of, Edu uh, board of Commissioners um, school board. But her attorney, I'm sure the district's attorney, because of the lawsuit, didn't want her to answer questions that could be brought into a de deposition. So that, I thought that was very interesting. Are you concerned with stock market volatility? The market's closing in on their worst year since the financial crisis. Two of the major indices had their worst day since 2020. U.S. financial markets had their worst day since the start of the pandemic. Do you really trust this economy? are growing that the U.S. economy could be headed for a recession. Inflation soaring to its highest level in nearly 40 years. Prices for gas and groceries are so high. Inflation sending already sky-high prices soaring even higher across the board. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a higher fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market? You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there is no loss of principal if you need your money back. And absolutely, there are no fees. Just log on to investverify.com. Folks, I personally invest my own money with Verify. Log on to investverify.com or call 888-VERIFY24. Now let's go back to the interview. Now, it's, this is pretty interesting. How many people are in charge of making this kind of decision? And did they talk to you guys? Did they address your concerns? Okay. When they voted back in 2014, uh, they, they put it out there for public uh, comment, uh, get the public feedback uh, about making that decision. But it was already made because they voted seven to nothing. Uh, the, Unanimously. Unanimously to, to, move, to move it. And there were like a thousand signatures and many public comments that this is not a good thing to do. So, th so they did a job of, of letting the public know, even though some people felt that there was not enough time to do it, to really get all the people knowledgeable about this, this thing was going to happen. 
but they still uh, basically could care less. And, and it's not the board members now who's on the uh, board. It's the ones that were on 2014. Uh, there are yeah. seven that made, made that decision. So now we come up to 2023, 20, 24 today, you've got uh, a situation where the people need to understand that the Board of Education commissioners don't get involved in micromanaging what goes on, decision making, who's hired, at the, at the district. The school district and all school districts, they're, they're run by their chief executive officer, which is the superintendent. So the superintendent decides who to hire and runs the programs, okay? So our new superintendent, who just has been in there one year, he inherited this mess. And so he's not wedded to it, which is good, because he came out publicly and said, it hasn't worked, and we gotta figure out how to, how to, to make a wrong or right, if you will. However, the way the district has always rolled is that they tend to follow what their attorneys say. And sometimes the attorneys are on the wrong side of this thing and we're hoping that they, they actually settle this lawsuit and put Algebra One back in the eighth grade. Uh, the superintendent was interviewed in, I think it's the Chronicle or the Examiner, I forget when, but he even said in that interview that, uh, that he's, he's hoping that this will not be a long drawn out litigation. And we're not asking for any money, we just want them to put Algebra One back in the eighth grade. Now, in June of 2022, a year ago, a, a letter was sent to the San Francisco Unified School District that was co-signed by four heads of the departments of math. Harvard, Stanford, UCLA, and UC Berkeley, math department heads signed a joint letter telling our school district in San Francisco that w what you guys are doing is not good for STEM, for, for, for candidates who want to enter college and, 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 and have STEM careers. So by moving Algebra One to the ninth grade, <coughs> With that, w they had to compress four years of math into, to, uh, by having the, what they call this compression course. They have a course that's a little bit of algebra two and a little bit of pre-calculus wrapped up into one course. And the math departments of those four universities said, we w we're not gonna, uh, not, does not prepare uh, your the kids. students enough to be. Uh, enough to be proficient in going forward in, in STEM careers and again, you can't get the calculus in San Francisco Unified District if you don't double up in the ninth grade with two, two math courses, you can't get the calculus, which is insane. In San Francisco, of all cities, you can't get the calculus. So what, what, what they try to do, and it's still in effect now until they settle this lawsuit or lose it, uh, that the, uh, this compression course is, is what you take after Algebra two. So again, I saw that, and that's another reason I and many parents double up with their kids in the ninth grade because they don't want them to take this BS out uh, pre uh, compression course. It's not really a course. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you mix it up and you think they've got what they need and they don't. You have to take a pure pre-calculus course to be able to take calculus and master it. Okay, that's why my granddaughter is taking a pre-calculus course at UC Berkeley over the summer to be able to take calculus. I made sure she didn't get caught into this compression course. And again, now, these decisions are made by the people in the math department. Before you do the lawsuit, did you guys try to talk to anybody? Did they not want to yeah. respond? And you showed them probably the numbers and the results, right? Yeah, I know of two parents who actually met with uh, people at the math department and end up in filing complaints about the way they treated the repeat pro uh, problem of having kids having to repeat uh, a course when they were proficient in the subject matter. And at the point of um, 
and then bringing it up in public comment. I, for one, over the last year, even before the lawsuit was filed, I would make public comment uh, uh, at, at board meetings. And they know I was go probably going to talk about that in the minute they give you. Mm -hmm. And I kept telling them about the uh, math, you know, al algebra one should be put back in the eighth grade. And so then uh, I was contacted by a couple of parents who knew that I had spoke up about it uh, and was wondering if, if I would be willing to join them. Uh, you know, th we had come to the point where the, the, the district was we're not going to move algebra one back into to the eighth grade. So we took the last course that we had available to us, which was to file a lawsuit. Is it that the government officials, like in this case, they're not really listening or care to talk with the community about it and look at the data? The lawsuit is just a result of the fact that that's the only way you could get their attention. Okay, and again, we're not asking for any money. We just want them to put Algebra 1 back in the eighth grade. What's interesting is that there's a book out called Detracting Math Courses. I wish I had brought it with me. It's called Detracting Math Courses, and it has four authors. And two of the authors work right now, work in the math department of the San Francisco Unified School District. I'm not going to name their names. Get the book. You'll see t the two names I'm speaking of. One of the four authors uh, is actually the head of the math department at San Francisco Unified School District. And that was the individual that was not allowed to sit at the table when the board had their math workshop on May 23rd. And again, I'm sure that was that the attorney that represents the district after the lawsuit was filed was not going to have her on camera, on record, saying anything that may be a problem when it gets to court. So I'm saying that to say that they even published a book on the, on the, great, what's the great results of detracking. For, the, for your audience who don't, uh, don't understand detracking. What is that? Yeah, yeah there you got tracking and detracking. Tracking allows kids who have shown the ability to do math at a, at a, a faster pace or advanced level can actually take higher courses or even skip a course. Go faster. Go right. faster. Detracking is you keep everybody, no matter what their ability is to do math, in the same uh, lockstep with everybody. Okay, and so what happens is parents are saying, well, you know, I know my, my kid can do uh, advanced math, but you, can't, you won't let us. That's what, that's what detracking is, okay? And so detracking actually keeps kids who are good in math from advancing. You have to just go along with the same step. So by moving Algebra 1 to, to ninth grade, you're kids, slowing down you're everybody. slowing down, exactly. And, and, and here's the thing. Tracking is when you actually identify kids and you allow them to go further. Detracking is what you don't. And again, the four authors of this book called Detracting Math Courses, two of them work in the San Francisco Unified School District's math department. So we're, you know, they're so well invested in this thing, they could care less about the harm that, that detracting does. Detracking is evil because it keeps kids from STEM careers and moving faster. So the people with money and resources, they just work around it. While the kids who don't, whose families either don't know and or don't have the resources, they're stuck. I can give a personal uh, thing. When my granddaughter was in the sixth grade, she had a great math teacher, but because you couldn't advance kids, what they did, they would have like a table of like six kids and uh, they would give the math pro and they had to work on it together. And I could see with my own eyes, you had two or three kids that could do it and the other kids that really couldn't do it, they would let the kids who, who could do it, do it. And you know, the, and the table got, it, got, got the credit. So what, what, what was happening of a, of a class of 25 kids, the teacher was basically not allowed to work separately 
with other kids with other that kids are doing well that were doing and well in a better big better more advanced way or on the other hand those who were not doing well who needed the help so you had table a and you had my granddaughter and say two other kids that were great at math they wouldn't have doing all the work okay and, the others and then the other were just kind of watched not it. really learn and they really weren't learning it so what would happen is that the teacher really because you have an hour 50 minutes of a, of a class how can she break down 25 kids and then because of the detracking, she couldn't separate the kids. Wow. She had to keep all the kids together in lockstep because you detract. Detracking means you don't let kids shine. You keep them all in the same pace at the same grade. Okay, and, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it's evil. From what we have learned by covering California and San Francisco, San Francisco usually lead this, leads the state Yes, from, in, in many aspects. There's a lot of influence over San Francisco. Uh, there is a lot of influence from San Francisco over the state. And uh, this philosophy is in the state as well, right? Is it coming into the state where they're trying to make it simpler for people and make it more, I, they call it equitable, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah the, whole, the whole thing is, is and, I, and I'm all for equity and equality and inclusion. Don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? But you can't dumb it down in order to make it happen. And when you dumb the curriculum down or you go to the detracking by keeping kids in the same lockstep pace, you're going to have those consequences that we just spoke of. The philosophy is, which I understand the philosophy in the grand scale, I, I get it. You want all kids to, to be to do, the, well. At, yeah. to do well. But when you dumb it down, uh, you're going to have uh, parents that are going to push back on that because they know if they're going to go to Stanford, Harvard, Ivy League schools, you can't dumb it down. I mean, I always say at the end of the day, that the square root of 64 is eight. I don't care how you couch the math problem, you have to know math. And, and what has happened is that the curriculum is being fed now with, uh, back to the California math framework. Uh, uh, I know we have a, a lot of time, but the California math framework was uh, a thousand pages long. It was voted on unanimously on July 12th of this summer to pass. And it's not, it's not a law, but it's a guidance and, and, and they, they falsely, they were going to use San Francisco as like the hub, showing that the, the, the San Francisco's results is why the math framework should be followed. But when we expose the fact that only 9% of African-American kids are proficient in math over 10 years, and um, I think it's 12 to 14% of Latinx kids, there's no victory. So they, 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 they took, in the final drafting of the California math framework, they removed the mention of San Francisco. They had to. So the whole philosophy, I think, <sighs> to say you want all the kids to do well, everybody wants that. No, no parent wants their kid not to do well. But you have to figure out how to focus on the areas that help kids do well and not hold back kids who are just naturally good at it. I mean, everybody, you know, you're born with certain things. Some people are born taller, some stronger, smarter, you know, have a brain for math or have a brain for music. You can't hold, what, you're going to hold back a person from the Stradivarius and, and chair one of the violin because you want everybody, to <laughs> no, you don't do that. You don't do that in, 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 in any profession in life. Uh, the people who are better tend to get the better results. And, and the, key, the key thing in education is to focus the energy, the brains, and the money on those individuals who don't have the resources or perhaps the parents don't have uh, uh, the knowledge or what have you. You know, because a parent, you, you, uh, uh, if you have a kid whose father's a, a professor and mother's a lawyer, they have the money in the brains, you know they're going to have a better education. That's going to happen. C compared to perhaps you have, have a single parent mother 
who's working two jobs, don't even have a clue what's going on in the unified school district, and may have the worst teachers. That kid should have more focused inside that classroom. And so the, the, the detracking means that you keep all the kids the same. So the philosophy sounds good, but the actual but it results hurts. The, act, the actual results of how it's practiced hurts the, the lo lower performing or, or non-resource kids or kids who are as fortunate yeah. as unfortunate. Exactly, exactly. Now it's terrible. Rex, you are very passionate about this. I am. Can you tell us why? Okay, I'll just start with myself. Education is the great equalizer. There's four things you don't want to be in America old, sick, poor, and uneducated. And when you look back at your life, as our age, when we look back, there's always four things, uh, that, that uh, three things that you, you kind of regret, good, bad, or ugly. Who you marry, what you do for a living, and what you did with your education. And if you have a great education, that pretty much determines where you live, who you marry, and what you do for a living. R Barack Obama's wife wasn't a, a cook, and Michelle Obama's husband wasn't a truck driver. Okay, they went to Harvard and Yale. Or I think she went to pr Princeton maybe. And so that's, that's, that's my point. I go to, back to my father. I wanted to be a baseball player. I wasn't good enough, but he was always in my head about education. So when I tapped out in baseball, I was already programmed to go to college and get my education. And I came out good for it. So I'm, I'm amped up from the fact that the education is the great equalizer. Because in this day of ubiquitous knowledge, not to know is a sin. You should be able to know things. And we need to be able to tell, get our kids in this, this situation because of uh, AI and chat GBT and everything that's coming and self-driving cars, the middle is gone. So you either here or here and education can get you there. That's why I'm so amped up about this as an African-American. I'm not alone. I have friends who are African-Americans who are like me, totally upset how they have dumbed it down in order to try to make everybody uh, get across the river. And it's, it hasn't worked. What they should do is put the resources, which they can, and focus on these kids. I've been in the schools. Like I said, I, I was a, have been a full-time volunteer, and I still am. Here's an, here's an example. Um, AP courses, uh, which is advanced placement courses. When you take an AP course, and that gets, that's a college credit course, it bumps up your GPA, and, uh, your grade point average. So you, say you have kids going to UCLA or Berkeley or Stanford or Dartmouth with 4.5 GPAs. Well, how did they get a pass a 4.0? That's because they took AP courses. We did a study uh, from the math uh, task force, which is something else we probably don't have time to talk about. I was fortunate enough to be part of my granddaughter's high school, and we looked at every different race, uh, and gender, and they let us look at the graduating class of 2021. So the kids that started from ninth grade and graduated in 2021, not one African-American took an AP course. How does wow. that happen? And this is one of the better schools. Now, now I can't believe it's the kids' fault, because the kids don't know. They, they, they're taught, and they, they're t you need to double up here. You need to take a dual enrollment course here. You need to take an AP course. So how is it at one of the, and I won't name the high school, how, how is that one of the better high schools in San Francisco, not one kid of the graduating class of 2021 who are black took an AP course? So what so I'm saying is, is that 
the, the opportunities is the system. It's the system it's is the not giving the opportunity to people, even though the system is trying to help the people, right. but it's hurting the people. Right. They're but saying the right things, but, but, when, but when you get to the granular details and you look at what's happening inside those schools, you see it's not working. I won't say it's not working. It's not being executed. That's the better way to phrase it. Because the courses are there. Now, Rex, you got involved with this in 2012, right? 2012, when my granddaughter started. In, in the school. journey of figuring all this out, uh, were you surprised? Was there a moment where you realized something is not working in the system? Yes, and that was early on in, in, in the, at the elementary level, uh, at the school that she went to. She was uh, not at one of the higher performing schools based on where she lived, because when they go into kindergarten, based on where you live, is where what school you basically go to. And when I start volunteering, uh, I, I noticed right away that the, the caliber of teaching, there were some good teachers, don't hear what I'm not saying, there was a couple of good teachers there, but just generally speaking, uh, I give you, I'll give you an example. I went to her, her uh, uh, second grade teacher when she was back in the second grade, and I said, hey, I see that you guys are teaching, I think maybe it was the first grade, A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. That's how I was taught when I was coming up when the dinosaurs were walking around. That's how you, you figured out the long and hard vowel. And they didn't teach that. They teach A-E-I-O-U. That's it. And so I asked the teacher, I said, how come it's not sometimes Y? How come you don't include that in the vowels? And she said, well, we just don't. She didn't even have an answer for me. And then I came back and I said, well, what about the words rye, spy? by, system, rhythm. There's all sorts of words that have an I that, substi y that substitutes for the, for the I. And she just turned around and walked away from me. So uh -huh. at that point, I realized something is wrong here. That, uh, I got a better education at that level than my granddaughter was giving, given. So therefore, I, I have seen that it has been dumbed down. That's why, why would you do that? Here's another quick example. I realized that uh, they were not teaching vocabulary building. And so I printed out all the words that a sixth grader should know, vocabulary words that a sixth grader should know. I printed it out. I went to her, her, her sixth, my granddaughter's sixth grade English teacher. I said, hey, during homework, homeroom, I got 15 minutes of homeroom before the, the school starts. Why don't we take that 15 minutes and work on vocabulary building? And she, she, she wouldn't do it. So I just gave it to her and, and nothing ever happened of it. I found out she went to the principal and complained about me. She complained to the principal about me wanting the kids to learn vocabulary. And I'm saying, wait a minute, I'm a parent. You work for me. I couldn't believe it. And so what I did, I said, well, since she has no, no interest in teaching vocabulary, I took all those words in one week, every week I took a word and I taught my granddaughter that word. I said, this, word, this is our vocabulary word for this week. Over 52 weeks, 52 words she knew. And when she took her reading uh, inventory last year, she reads at, an eight, at a 12th grade level. The highest you can get in the district is 1384, 85. She got a 1375 in the 10th grade. That's because I was not trusting the school system to teach her at the level I thought that she, she and, and, and you can't say she's the only one. I believe all the kids should have been able to, to get it, uh, focused on vocabulary building and stuff. It was never done. So I saw early on, depending on what school you went to, that they're not being taught. Do you think the mindset of the school system is kind of like they're not looking at parents like, okay, these are, we're providing a service for the parents. Do you think that mindset is not there based on what you experience? If it, it, if it was there, it has long gone uh, in certain schools. 
uh, from the district standpoint, every year they come out with the handbook, uh, parent-student handbook. And in 2017-18 school year, on page six, I was reading it, and it had uh, elementary schools and middle schools shall provide homework, okay? And that was the fifth grade. My granddaughter was in the fifth grade, and I went to her, her teachers about homework, and, and her uh, math teacher said, oh, we, I don't give homework. And I said, why not? And he said, because of it's, it's not equitable. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if I give homework, not everybody can do homework at home because they either don't have a computer or, they don't, or their parents can't help or what have you. Then I said, I understand that. Well, what about my granddaughter? You mean you're going to punish her and other kids who can do homework, who want to do homework, because you want to make sure everybody is the same? So that means in, in, in a race, don't give nobody shoes. It's not going to stop the faster runner. They're still going to run faster without shoes. And it just boggled my mind that the philosophy of inclusion means that you have to dumb it down. And I don't think you have to dumb it down. I really don't. I think what you just need to do is focus where it's, it's like a good doctor. A good doctor will press, and when he finds the pain, that's where he drills in to look. So when you find the pain of the flaws, that's who you double down on. You know, you don't skip, oh, got pain, well, don't worry about it. And that's how, and, and then the, the new class of teachers also are younger teachers. And, and they have the same philosophy that uh, homework is, is not something that they, they should have. Why, why give homework? Well, when you get to Stanford, Yale, uh, or, or uh, University of Chicago, you're going to have homework. If you're going to be uh, uh, an attorney, you've got to pass the, S, uh, the, the LSAT, you know. It's just amazing to me that this mindset has creeped in that you have to do away with homework and, and rigor in order to make sure everybody gets, gets, gets an education. But the, the, the bottom line is they're not getting educated. That's the problem. So when you get to the point where you have to take an SAT, ACT test at college, okay, you're not going to have the, the grades. It's not going to be there because you haven't been given rigor, homework rigor, during the middle school, and when you get to high school, it's too late. You don't have the mindset. You don't, you don't have the have mindset. The energy, you don't have the discipline. You don't have the discipline. You don't have yeah. the discipline. What do you think is the impact of all this uh, is on San Francisco's future? Okay. You know, you, we have a, a number of kids that are coming through this public school system. Some parents have already gone to the private, but is there? What are your thoughts on? Okay. On well, the my, my thoughts is, is this is this is the major thing. If, if, if the audience doesn't take anything out, out of this as far as those who don't live in San Francisco or looking at San Francisco, we have lost a lot of parents because of COVID, because COVID forced parents to see what their kids were studying, Algebra One being moved to the ninth grade, and we have lost a lot of families. The state of California funds schools based on the number of kids who are enrolled. We call it the average daily attendance, the ADA, and that has dropped. And it's continually to drop because parents still don't trust the school district, speaking of San Francisco, about algebra. Okay? So, so what has happened as we go forward is that if they don't put Algebra 1 back in the 8th grade, you're going to continue to have a distrust of parents who are, who are either going to put their kids in charter school or private school. Um, and, what's, and, and as we look into November 2024, the school facilities department is going to float a billion dollar bond with a B, a one billion dollar wow. construction bond to get money to continue to, to fix and repair schools. There's like 120, 130 school real estate that's owned by the, the district and, and they need repair. 
knew everything. And right now, we've already run through the last bond money, which was in 2016. It was uh, $744 million. That money's almost gone. And so they've already put a program together and they made a presentation to the board and to the public of how much money they're going to need over the next five years. <coughs> and so they, and that money is about a little, a little over a billion dollars. So the way I see it, if you, if you want people in San Francisco to vote on this, remember, a, a bond issued by the city of San Francisco or the city, the, in this case, the San Francisco Unified School District, those aren't secured bonds like a, a Alaska Airlines. If they don't pay their bonds, the bondholders go confiscate the airplanes, you know, or, or you don't pay your car note, your, no, your car gets repossessed. School bonds are backed by the faith of the, of the citizens to allow their property taxes to be hit with extra tax. So that's how the bonds are paid back. San Francisco has always had a good bond rating because most people in San Francisco, you know, we have a high wealthy citizenship. And, though, and you know, so everybody knows San Francisco is like Tokyo, New York. It, it, it takes a lot to live here, okay, because uh, and these same people, two things. One, they don't have their kids in, in public school. So why should I, if I live next to uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who lives in San Francisco, and, and, and I have my kid in a private school, why should I vote for a billion dollar bond for a school system where my kids don't even go there? So I see a great way to turn trust and build trust back into the citizens of San Francisco is they put Algebra One back in the eighth grade, that would, that would be a first major step to try to right a wrong that has resulted in a 10 years a decade, uh, a decade of damage, if you will, a decade of damage, and that would give uh, uh, confidence, I, I believe, that they will be willing to, to vote for this $1 billion bond. Um, so it's, it's all mixed up. Everything has, has a connection. You do something, it's like a chess game. You know, you make a move, there's a consequence. And I think they need to do this. Hi, I'm Siamai Korami, General Manager of Epoch Times in Southern California and host of California Insider. Thank you so much for your amazing support. It's been an honor to have you with us along this journey. And we've grown such a great community of subscribers like yourselves that have been with us, committing to truth and tradition, which is what we want to discuss this year at our gala. So please join us on October 28th in Newport Beach for an exceptional night with food, drinks, and great conversations. Our guest speaker will be Victor Davis Hansen, as well as some of our media personalities like Yanya Kellek of American Thought Leaders, and Roman from Facts Matter. You can get your tickets now on epochgala.com. And once again, thank you for your support. And I'll look forward to seeing you on October 28th. Rex, do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Uh, just uh, since your audience is all over California, I would, uh, my thoughts are to your viewers. Know what your school district is all about. Get involved. Every parent who has the time should be involved in their PTA or the PTO, uh, also the school site council, and they should know what the curriculum is. People in Dublin, um, Cupertino, Irvine, down here in Irvine, uh, they offer Algebra One in, in the middle, middle school. There's other districts that may follow the California math framework and not offer algebra in the middle school. That is a no-no. So, so in my closing thoughts, I'm asking and I'm, I'm deploying parents 
make sure you know what's going on in your school district. Because if you don't know what's going on, the people in power, the people who make the decisions, they really either don't let you know what they're doing or they, they give a cursory opportunity for you to speak up. They still are going to follow this California math framework. At the end of the day, let me say it like this. At the end of the day, they're your kids. At the end of the day, they're my kids. They're not the teacher's kids. And you have to own that because down the road, they're going to have, they're going to look back and they're going to say, wow, because I, I had a great education, I live in a better neighborhood, I have a great profession, I have a great spouse or partner, uh, as opposed to someone who didn't get a great education, they're not going to have, they're going to look at it with, with, with regret. So I would say, please, please, please get involved in your schools. Don't let the bureaucrats run it without you having say so. You have a vote. You can vote in the school board supervisors or trustees, whatever they're called in your district. Rex Ridgeway, president of PTA at Lincoln High. It was great to have you on California Insider. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you like the show and our content, you should go to insiderca.com and sign up to our newsletter because we never know what can happen with social media and other platforms in terms of distributing our content. If you'd like to come on the show and be an insider, you can reach out to us at cainsider at epochtimesca.com. Again, it's cainsider at epochtimesca.com. We'd love to have you on the show to tell us what's going on in your field in California. Thank you for watching.